Geekish Cast is a member of the Astro Panda Productions Network. Welcome back to Geekish Cast, the reigning world heavyweight champion of Geek Talk. I'm your host, Jeremy, and joining me today is the publisher of Action Lab Studios, Dave Dwanch. What's happening, Dave? Oh, man, what's not happening? It's storming like crazy here. I, like, you know, there's like one rule of, of good conversation, and it's never talk about the weather, but you, you're like in the same area as me, and it's pretty much apocalyptic. It's nuts. It's, it's, it's hitting here pretty good. Now, I have a greyhound who is a former racing greyhound. And his major love in life is to run through the mud. And so uh, for two days now, we've been trying to catch him as he comes back in covered from, you know, from asshole to nose tip in in mud before he shakes (laughs) off in the house. So it is windy, it is rainy, it is nasty, and I have mud everywhere. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. So uh, so yeah, man. Uh, yeah, what what else is going on? Football, you know, comic books, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, I I love football season because my my jock uh, uh, wife is completely distracted, and I can slip in a ton of action lab work while I'm uh, watching football. So uh, it's it's good times. That's nice. Well, hey, for um for people who may not know, why don't you tell us a little bit real quick about Action Lab? Cool. Um, company, uh, we started in 2010, uh, just five guys just hanging out in a bar. At, you know, you know how it is. Like mm-hmm. that's pretty much where I get all of my great ideas in the, in the bar. And, uh, it's a, it's a bunch of guys that I had known for a long time, uh, through the comic geek speak podcast. Um, we were all on their message board and at the time that, that we were forming our company, like they were the, the big, uh, and, and they're still the big uh, comic book podcast, but uh, we were all kind of commiserating about this this crap show we were at. And it wasn't like the show was crap. We were just not – we were not performing like we all had anticipated, right? So we are just kind of like uh, wallowing in our beers. Um, I just started looking around the, the, the table, and I was like, you know what? I think that it would be much better if all of us were working together on stuff because, you know, I came from the self-publishing indie world. And, you know, when you do that, you've got to wear so many hats. It's not just creator. It's not just editor. It's it's production. It's marketing. Uh, it's distribution. Um, and, I, you know, we all had different strong suits. So I was like – you're you're my president you're my law my corporate lawyer you know you're advertising you're you're the editor blah 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 so um you know five years later it's changed a little bit but for the most part it's still those five guys um running the company uh you know we've added some some have 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 left but uh but we're all still family so um we got really lucky like that that first uh, uh, convention that we founded our company. Uh, I met Jeremy Whitley, who was sitting next to me. He was the uh, he's the writer of Princeless, and at the time he had had a self published version of it uh, with a different artist. And uh, you know, we we shook hands, we traded books like creators do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as I was getting this company together, a month later, I went through that box from that convention and found that book, and thought it was superbly written. Thought that. Uh, that uh, the art needed to be changed, so I, you know, I, I asked him, hey, if if you can let me edit you and get you uh, a different art team, I think you could make this book into a hit. 
Uh, and then that first year we were with Action Lab, we got Eisner nominations for that book. So, you know, it was a, it was a really, really good start. Um, things just kind of fell in place uh, the way things do. And, you know, it's five years later, we're running strong with like 15 books a month. So that's, that's yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah. So what was your background before? I mean, you said you did some self-publishing, but what else? I mean, you know, artistically or design wise, what were, what were you into that got you into self-publishing? Uh, well, you know, like for me, I've always I've always loved comics. I always you know, my my goal as a, as a uh, teenager was to draw or, or draw Daredevil. I was like, oh, man, I love Daredevil. He's the best. And he still is like my favorite character. But um, I went to art school out here in in, uh, in Oakland. Uh, and, uh, I realized as I was taking classes there that I, the reason that I wanted to draw so much was because I just wanted to tell stories and, and comics kind of provided that for me. And it was something I I knew I could do by myself, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's the joy of self-publishing, right? Like while it is a lot of work and, and it's extremely hard to be successful at, like, at least, you know, you can get it done. Like I've been in bands before and man, how many times are you dealing with like total just dickheads you know what i mean like like you're never going to get anything done because there's too much ego involved uh at least if you've got an ego and you're you're a independent artist it 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 doesn't come through in the work and hopefully and uh and you can get it done with very little stress and no budget at all you know um so yeah i bummed around a lot doing uh doing books for other people uh, publishing my stuff through uh, Jason uh, at Superreal Graphics. He he published one of my graphic novels, and then when we formed uh, Action Lab, I brought him over to Action Lab. So you know, it's it's literally it's just the friends that you make and the connections that you keep, um, and that's Action Lab, really. You know. Well, I'd say that's almost any any job is almost. It, well, here's the thing: they'll tell you that it's all study and this, that, and the other. You know, it's hard work and connections that get you somewhere. <laughs> that's been my yeah. experience yeah well yeah it's 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 three parts luck um yep. well i can't even say that it's it's almost 50 50 luck and determination um because i don't even think you necessarily need to be that great to be successful um it's a blend of things right? oh yeah um so uh so well, yeah and i've seen people fail upwards like in comics forever you know yeah i don't want to uh, name names but i'm a giant not jim lee fan so uh, <clears throat> jim lee <laughs> But, yeah. um, yeah. Um, see, I've got a son who is a great artist, but not a good marketer. Sure. And here's the thing. I'll, you give me a mediocre artist who can get out and bullshit and shake hands and constantly self promote on Twitter and Facebook. I'll show you a guy who's going to make it as an artist. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, then it really, uh, becomes like for me, you know, I, I see, oh man, at least, at least a half dozen pitches a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes the creative spirit's there, and, and a lot of times I'll, I'll look at something and go, oh, that concept's really strong. But, you know, I don't know these creators. I don't know uh, their work ethic, and they're just not quite there, you know. And I'll, I'll give as much nurturing notes as I possibly can. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, six six to probably 12 pitches a week, uh, it gets it gets a little crazy. Oh, I'd imagine, and I'm sure, you know, here's another thing, too. If you get that many pitches, you know there's one or two that got lost in a box or this, that, and the other. It may have been great, but didn't have the, didn't shine or didn't stand out at the moment. Or yeah, like, I, like, like I, a lot of people I talk to these days, their comic got shit-canned or didn't get looked at seriously because their lettering was garbage. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, literally, there could be one thing out of place, and you're like, nope, not going to do it. Um, 
another thing that we we stopped doing which isn't i mean it sounds crass but it's not meant to 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 be it's publishing your friend's stuff like we're like you know when we started and we didn't have books we were you know someone would be brought in and we'd be like oh yeah that's great that's cool you know uh now it's kind of tough because i feel like immense guilt if something isn't successful so Mm -hmm. I, if I see, see a reason why something won't be successful at my company, I'll steer them in the right direction towards someone that might be able to do it, or I'll at least get feedback to say, I don't think we can do it because of X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, like, it's not, you, you, what you think you're doing is a favor by, by publishing people's stuff, but if you're doing a favor and you know in your heart of hearts that you can't do right by that creator, then you shouldn't be doing it, you know? Um, so we're very, very selective now. I mean, it's... It's gotten to the point now where, where we, out of the the month's worth of of submissions, maybe one gets picked. It's it's crazy, but we're also one of the only companies that actively like looks for stuff too. I think that's why we get so many submissions. You know? Oh, probably. Um, here here's the nice thing, and we'll see if this continues into the incoming year. The last I had looked, which is about the second quarter of 2016, comic books were selling better than they had been at any point since 1997. Wow, that's crazy. So it's got to be a good time to be getting into it, even if it's just close to that, you know, because that was right before it just fell off a cliff. Sure, sure. Uh, So it's got to be a good time. I think it's nice to see that people have disposable income again. Right, right. Yeah, well, you know... Let's cross our fingers on that well, one. Let's like, hope that, like, that keeps going. Like I said, we'll see how things go, <laughs> right. you know. Yeah, you know, it's got to be hard to, like, I, I noticed the trends in, in uh, uh, retailers. Like, we're much stronger on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be because, like, the core uh, group of my company are, are back East. But I think it might be harder to uh, have stores on the West coast because real estate is crazy. And like, it's got, you know, the cost of living is so bananas out here in the Bay area Oh yeah, um, that it's just harder for stores to like get the spaces that they need to sell books and then to stay alive, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the movies help. I think all of that stuff helps. I, I think back in the, in the nineties, maybe the movies helped a little bit more. Like, I don't know if someone's going to go watch Captain America Civil War and then go in and go buy Civil War, the, the trade paperback. I could be wrong, you know, but I think that, like, the movies are doing such a good job now that there isn't, like, that much of a wait between movies. So people are just like, all right, next year I'll get another movie. Like, next year I'll get another Star Wars movie, you know? Yeah. So, well, I, I think I think part of it is also when the economy was still down in the skids, people people weren't buying things like this because they couldn't afford them and they could steal them. You know what I mean? Right. You you can scan a movie or you can scan a comic book. You can torrent and rip a movie. But I think now that money, there's a little bit more money. Yeah. You're always going to have people stealing the product, but the guys who are stealing it now, were never going to be your customer to begin with. Sure. Sure. You know, like I love, I love like this, the Netflix kind of culture, right? Like, Mm -hmm. The fact that, like, something could get posted on, on uh, like, Stranger Things, right? That could come out, and, like, just through word of mouth over one weekend, it could be, like, the best, biggest series of the year, right? Right. That's that's amazing. Uh, and I love that that series, and I love what it did, and, and I love that, like, if I were to try to uh, explain it to, like, a noob, it, it may not resonate with them, but just the fact that, like mainstream is is embracing the stuff it's cool right so i like i love that idea about comics too i i really wish that there was more of it um 
like I don't know if you're on Comixology or, or you download books, uh, buy books through Comixology, but um, uh, they have the unlimited thing now. Have you, have you tried that? No, I haven't done that. And you know what? Honestly, I only do digital comics if I want a comic book today, um, which is actually how I found your company because I was at a wine tasting and a buddy of mine told me about Bigfoot Sword of the Earth Man. And, oh wow! And I had—that's a, a weird—that's a weird place to have that conversation. Well, you know what? Actually, I was—I was at the, the wine tasting without my friend being there, but he texted me about it. And uh, when I got home, I actually jumped on Amazon and bought a digital copy for myself. And I bought a digital copy for a filmmaker out of um, Vancouver, who's named uh, O. Corbin Salican, who had just done a uh, romantic comedy that Bigfoot was a big part of. And sent oh, him nice. a, and sent him one too, because one of the things is shit really only takes off if creators help support each other. Sure. But sure. normally, what I would have done in that situation, if it hadn't been something that I was like, "Holy shit, I need to read this right now," I would have bought a paper copy and waited two, three days for it to show up. So right. I'm st- I'm right. still much more of a physical comic book owner than a digital. Yeah, you know, like I used to. Like I worked in a comic shop. That's that's how I really got into comics, man. I've been working in comic shops since I was like twelve or something like that. And uh, all Bay Area sh- uh, shops, uh, there was a place called the Comic Shop. Then I worked at this place called DNR, and I was the manager there. Like through, so I did like the comic shop when I was in high school. Uh, and by the way, like you know, I'm pretty old, so that that's not nearly as cool as it sounds, kids. Like back in the day, people would be like, "Oh, you work in a comic shop, nerd." You know, yep. like it was it was real bad. I'm like I'm like 43, so uh, back oh, then you, it was you and I are the same age then. Oh yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go. So you know, you know yeah. what's up. I mean, uh, it was uh, it was a little different then. Um, but uh, so I did that in high school. Then I, I worked at a place called DNR. Um, where I was the manager. Then I, I went to Crush Comics in Castro Valley. Uh, and then I got my, my day job, which was uh, 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 I became a specialist, a booze specialist. So um, I work in a pretty uh, decent, uh, pretty large uh, spirits chain out here in California um, for the health, health insurance now. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, I've had a lot of fun jobs. And, uh, and comics have always been at the forefront of what I wanted to do. So. Okay. Um, at one time I wanted to open a shop and then I was like, man, it, it's gotta be hard, you know, nickel and dime like that, man, like selling a three ninety nine book and being like, well, I had to talk to this guy for like 20 minutes. And even though you enjoy the conversation, he picks up like one book and you're like, great, I made like two bucks, you know? So it, well, it's yeah. gotta be a tough Cause game. the profit margin on, on print books isn't very high. No, no. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but you know, you know, that's the thing, like. Like with me, uh, you know, and, and everyone has at probably at one point or another been guilty of, of uh, bit torrenting, you know. And uh, I used to pull uh, comics just to read them and sample them, and then I would go and, and buy the trade paperbacks. But I've got, I've whittled it down over the years. I'm in my garage, like I told you earlier, and mm-hmm. like uh, I think I still have like 27 long boxes. But at one point, it was like something like 60, and. I just started eBaying and whittling it down, and you know I had a remodel to do, so I needed twenty thousand bucks. So I started selling stuff, and uh, I kept all the cool stuff that I like loved. Um, and I'm a little bummed that I sold my Walking Dead's because I sold them like before the show went crazy. Oh, I sure. sold all, like one through fifty for a thousand bucks, and now that number one's like five thousand bucks. You know, you're like, 
Well, that's crazy. That's it's so nuts that that book is still. Yeah. You know, well, I went it. through I went through a phase after the uh, the the I don't know the bottom fell out in the mid mid to late nineties in the comic collecting industry. Where yeah. I literally, when I bought comic books, I ripped the front covers off of them and then gave them to somebody else. Just so I knew that that didn't end up in a box of comics in somebody's garage. Right. You know, right. just, just you know, hey, if somebody's going to want to collect it, they're going to have to go buy another one. <laughs> you know? That's funny. Well, because you got to remember, well, you and I know this. Image and Valiant Comics, the guys were buying 50 and sticking them somewhere, and people were going, "Yeah, there's none out there." But there were 50 guys in the city, in each major city, that have 50 of them locked away. Right, right. Yeah. Short term, that sounded like a good idea, but I'm sure you're 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 feeling kind of like a dickhead now if you uh, if you've got 60 long boxes in your garage and they're all like maximum or what was it? What was it? Darker image, you know, yep. shit like that. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Well, and you know, those are still out there somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, you know, comics and the, and I, I mean, we've, we've been best friends for a long time, you know, like it's, uh, I, I used to, yeah, I don't, I don't have any kids. I, I, I we didn't want any kids. I just got married, uh, last September mm-hmm. and, uh, we're both like, yeah, no kids. Uh, you know, we enjoy traveling around and, and like comics have really, really allowed for us to travel a lot. Um, so you know, if I had kids, I feel like I wouldn't be able to do like a lot of the things. I mean, I'm sure like, like in Jurassic Park, life finds a way, but like for me, my comics have always been my babies. You know what I mean? Like oh, sure. when people talk about their legacies and stuff, I'm like, well, I've got a bunch of cool books that I've done, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to keep going with that. Well, now see, we, we had kids, but you know, I've had a much more conventional, like I sell plumbing. Plumbing has been part of my life since I was a little kid, you know? Um, but like this year, my we have a four year old grandchild. Dude wow. got dude got a custom fucking Spider Man costume for Christmas. Wow, that's awesome! And it's the the new Spider Man Homecoming costume. That's so cool. So he's gonna be you know he's the only four year old out there rolling around with that costume. That's awesome. So are you gonna be uh, at the uh, the Stockton show? Uh, what's that? That's coming not soon. August that, maybe. I I will go to it. Um, I think that's actually where you and I met. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will go to it because, you know what, I went on a fluke last year. Actually, I went because I wanted to meet Sean Gregory Miller and because I wanted to meet um, Josh Hinneman, and I found out they were both going to be there because I had interviewed them. Right. And I went, and you know what it reminded me of was back when WonderCon was still in Oakland and San Francisco. Right. Like, it's not quite that big yet, but, man, it's on its way, and it's local, and it's fucking awesome. So I will be. It's crazy, too, because, like... Um, the the fan base there is super super intense about comics and wrestling and fandom. You know what I mean? Like they're it's it's like a, it's it's a really great Bay Area show. You know, yeah. like it's I, like when I go to shows and not to diss SoCal at all, but when I go to shows in SoCal, I almost feel like half the time people show up just to show up. They're like, oh, Com- Comic Con's in town. I guess I should go walk around and you know not engage in the actual experience of it but in you know in stockton and some of those other smaller shows man like they're way into it oh yeah i mean you know comics like for me comics are are partially conversation um it's why i love working in a shop here's like you were saying earlier like when we were young and you're like no mr spock's more like this and you got called a fucking nerd and got beat up 
you, but you had your friends that you could talk Star Trek and Star Wars and fucking Daredevil and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and whatever right. the whatever the big thing was or Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. Nowadays, the same guys that used to beat our asses, we're like trying to buy our tickets before that asshole gets his ticket. Because fuck him for being here. This is my thing. <laughs> right? Know? Yeah. You know, it's funny too. Like you'll you'll be just walking around and you'll see meathead meatheads in Captain America shirts and you know like. Usually, like back when we were kids, only like if there was a meathead wearing a shirt, it was like a Punisher shirt, right? Yeah, but now yeah. it's like it's it's just permeated all culture. Be like Squirrel and Girl or something now. And you're just like, you shouldn't right. even know it's who so the weird. fuck that is. Right, right. Yeah, yeah it's so weird. Um, but, you know, I, hey, I, I love it. I, you know, I, I it's I, I unfortunately I, I pretty much read image comics. Uh, you know, I'll read Action Lab. I'll read Boom, uh, IDW, some um but I, I stay away from Marvel and DC uh, these days, and it, it's mainly just because um, I've read the best of the best of those, and they're very, very cyclical. Like, you know, stuff happens in Spider-Man, and then, like, ten years later, it happens again. And then ten years after that, it happens again. Or, or you know, DC's going to reboot again, and then again, again. And you're like, geez, like, stick with it and, and let the stories be told. You know, like... It's okay for stories to end sometimes. I mean, I, I get that Spider-Man has to be Spider-Man. Um, but, you know, if you're going to kill Aunt May, you shouldn't be bringing her back. You know, that, that just doesn't make any sense. Oh, know? yeah. I, I agree with you. Well, you know, there used to be the thing in, in comic books and pro wrestling. The idea was the people who are watching won't see it again in five years. So, you know, you could re, you know, you could do the same stories again in five years because the same people weren't still there. Sure, sure. Yeah. I guess that makes sense, except that we're still here. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's, you know, like, like our dads all quit reading comic books, like, in the 60s when, you know, they were kids. Right. And, you know, our grandparents all quit when they went to World War II, you sure. know. Um, well, we, and, and I think that's why why the movies are so so insanely popular, too, because they can cherry pick the absolute best things about those characters and put them in two hours of a movie. Oh, Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I love, love, love the Marvel movies. I think they're great. Um, DC still has an identity issue, I think. Um, I almost said identity crisis, but I didn't. Um, but uh, By sheer force of willpower, you avoided that reference. Yeah, yeah except I did, did bring it up, so I oh, guess yeah. I, I, I still am that guy. Um, but, uh, like, you know, I mean, I can, I can watch those movies and, and be happy uh, that that's all I need to know, you know? Um, but again, I think that's also like indie comics. It feels like, you know, like there are there are less ongoing series. They're they're growing. There are there are more coming out, and there are more that are, are popular. But I'm I'm a fan of a of a six issue mini man. I'm a fan of four issues, um, and and if it's wildly successful and there's more, that's awesome too. And then I can have my cake and eat it too. But I really like the idea that I could like, you know. Uh, yeah, but watch, watch a mini. You what know? you're talking about also is kind of the difference between European comic books and American comic books and British television and American television. You know, yeah. we, we have a TV show here. It's 23 episodes a season every year until everybody's fucking sick of it and we get rid of it. In, right. the, in the UK, you get three to eight to 12 episodes and it might be a year or two. I mean, they just Doctor Who just took a year off. Yeah. Yeah, Sherlock just came back too. Yeah, that had been out for like that had been off for like two years. Yeah, so they only put them back when they've got the time and the money and the you know the desire to actually get it done. Sure, sure. So you know, here in America, nobody will ever accuse us of not beating a good horse to death and then beating the corpse. 
Oh yeah, I mean, I swear, I I loved loved the first like five seasons of Supernatural, mm-hmm. and then like I just I just stopped the the interest just went away. It just started regurgitating the same stuff. They know? just signed. They just signed season thirteen today. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, that's fine. I yeah. you know I'm glad it's out there for people. Um, I I love those characters. It's just um, it's, at a certain point it got a little ridiculous, and I feel like they kind of mined uh, all that they could, you know. Um, you know, whatever. Like I haven't watched the last three seasons. You could tell me it's it's Citizen Kane. I wouldn't know, you know. It, it yeah. is. It is not. It is not. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Right. It is not that you, you have not missed much. Um, well, well, you know, and it, it's interesting that I say this because infinite seven is my first ongoing series. So I, I'm not, I'm not challenged with the writing. Like I know exactly where I'm going to go and I already have like the first, uh, 12 issues pretty much written. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, if I wanted to go for more than two years, you know, like I, I may come to a point where I could probably walk away from it and let someone else write it too, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, you know what? You sent me the first issue of that to check out. And since that's your newest work, why don't you tell us a little bit about Infinite Seven itself? Oh, cool. Well, it's, it's coming out February 1st, uh, pre-order now, but it's, uh, about, a group of assassins, seven assassins that work for a secret world government, and uh, they're the best of the best. They're the, they're they're the, the baddest of the bad. And uh, the only way to become a member is to have a member basically retire and say you are the next in the line of succession, uh, or you kill a member and then you've proven that you're bad enough to be in the group. So the first arc revolves around a, a teenage kid that basically kind of stumbles upon this secret society and accidentally kills uh, one of the members and then has to become one of the members. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's uh, a little League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, a little Expendables, a little Piers Anthony on a pale horse. Um, I basically took all the things that I loved as a, as a kid and threw them into this really weird, ever-evolving uh, story. Uh, the the assassins that work within the group, um, they're all kind of like action movie archetypes. So you've got like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Commando. You've got a, uh, a, a martial arts master, uh, you know, a Bruce Lee kind of archetype, uh, a Snake Plissken. Um, and then there's some oddballs in there like uh, Washington is, is Denzel Washington. See, the thing about the Infinite Seven is they've been around for, for hundreds of years. And one of the original members was George Washington. Okay. So the code name Washington has been passed down uh, throughout time. And now it's kind of like a crooked cop uh, training day Denzel Washington, uh, code name Washington. Uh, so there's just weird pop culture reference nods all over the place. But I think well, it stands on its own. I know? was going to say, because like two that jumped out at, well, obviously the Bruce Lee one, St. Plissken. Um, but you also had a character that I couldn't tell if I was reading it right. It seemed like John Constantine, and then you have a Luchadora in there as well. Right, yeah. So so the, the influences for that character, so the, the Constantine-like character uh, is is codenamed Sherlock. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about Sherlock, so that's, that's pretty good. But a fan of the new show, I wanted to do uh, to have the original Sherlock Holmes be an original member. Um, but the thing is, the, the Moriarty's, have been at war with the Holmeses forever. Okay. So every 
eight, eight to ten years, one will get the better of the other and kill that person and then become that person. So the code name is Sherlock, but this Sherlock is a Moriarty, and he's basically a wizard. Okay, so, that's pretty crafty right there. Yeah, so so the idea is the, the, the Holmes uh, lineage has always believed in science and fact, right? And the Moriarty's were wizards, so they've always stayed one step ahead of Sherlock Holmes because... Sherlock doesn't believe in any of that shit, right? So this guy is like his uh, his demon sidekick is, is named Watson. Uh, it's it's he's like my favorite character to write. Uh, he's he's easily like the cheekiest. He's got all the cool lines. Uh, he has a demon sidekick named Watson. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty awesome. And then uh, Agent Cinco, um, you know, I'm I'm a fan of, of old luchador films. And I took that inspiration, and she's basically the daughter of, uh, like, a strong man uh, assassin. So okay. it's, it's cool. Yeah. So is it like El Santo or somebody that... Yes, okay. exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. See, I mean, yeah, you get that stuff. But yeah. uh, you're my age. You, you get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm right there. I got to tell you, yesterday, my wife had some friends over, and I kind of got bored. So I went to just kind of went and laid in the room. And I went and found old Road Warrior wrestling matches from the early 80s. Oh, man, I love that stuff. And I was, like, a huge fan of the Horsemen, man. Like, yep. they were, like, back in the day, they were the best. Oh. And so yeah. I was, like, I'm. that's why I'm, I'm doing, like, this, like, World Heavyweight Champion intro. Because I was, like, you know, fucking Flair was the man. Oh, God, <laughs> he was. Oh, man, he was. You know, but it's 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 messed up. That lifestyle is so, so messed up. And um, either you you go out too early and you're completely revered or you stick around too long, you know? And I, I, that's one of the reasons why I don't watch, um, wrestling anymore is like, like all of my heroes like are gone, you know? And, and I hate to say that Chris Benoit was ever a hero. But uh, you I know what, dude, no, I I'm right there the with you. I am right there yeah. with you. And when he did what he did is when I gave up on wrestling forever. Yep. Yep, that was exactly it. And then Eddie Eddie Guerrero uh, passed. Yeah. Dean Malenko stopped wrestling. Uh, I was just like, you know, my my time with this is done. Yep, that's and, that's where I was with it too. Yeah. Um, I'm an I'm when it comes to pro wrestling, I am I was much more of an NWA guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. when WCW went under, and WCW sucked balls for two years before it sure. before it died, so I was already kind of done. And I hate what Vince McMahon has done to wrestling. So his. Product, Are you watching any of that stuff on El Rey, the 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 Luchador stuff? You know what? A couple people from uh, Lucha Underground followed me on Twitter, and I followed them back, but I haven't actually checked their stuff out yet. I hear it's really really good. I hear it's it's just. Yeah, that's my brother's trying to get me to watch NXT because I guess NXT has a, a tag team that is just like outstanding. Like if you watch it, it's like watching Anderson and uh, Blanchard back in the day. Oh boy, yeah, man, yeah. those guys are so... Art Anderson and the Enforcer. Ooh, mm -hmm. He was the shit. I, yeah. I mean, I promised I wasn't going to swear too much, but man, he was the shit. He's so good. Yeah. Um, well, so here's the thing. So yesterday I'm letting all these. I'm just on YouTube letting them roll, right? And a match came up, and it was Kevin Von Erich, Kerry Von Erich, and one other guy, I can't remember who it was, against Gino Hernandez, Chris Adams, and one other guy. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, only Kevin Von Erich out of this whole group of young guys is still alive. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's how that's how old we are, or, or that's how young they were, you know? That's I mean, how like, young they were. I don't know if you know the Von Erich family, but f uh, out of six brothers... 
four committed suicide or died, and one died as a child. So five of them are dead, and one is left. Wow. All wow. of the ones that died early died under the age of 34. That's so crazy. Yeah. So uh, it was, yeah. it, it was kind of cool, but then I started getting depressed. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and, and that's the thing, like... Um, there's there's certain things that like to me that's time capsule to me that's like wrestling stuff that like if you're uh, I don't even know if you're maybe 30 maybe a 30 year old may know some of this stuff or has seen some of it but I mean like that's like almost like a weird hidden history of America you know mm-hmm. strange um, but yeah yeah when Benoit man man he was like my favorite when him and Malenko were wrestling I was like this yep. is like it's like the the golden age all over again you know this is um, those were two it's guys like, it's like horsemen. Yeah, yeah, those were two. Well, they actually made them part of the Horseman at one point. Yeah, they had to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those were two guys, when I saw them both, it, I was like, those guys are the future of the company, or the future of the sport. And, well, one of them they just buried. I mean, you thought Malenko got treated bad at WCW. So you see what happened to him at WWF. Yeah, I heard he, he hurt himself pretty badly. I heard, like, he had a fused, uh, something fused in his neck and his spine. He was, like, I guess he was still training people, but, like, he was nowhere near able. Yeah. But, you know, like, people like Perry Saturn were really great, too. I mean, that guy was, like, the the last of the, the greats at WCW, I think. Yeah. He disappeared. I don't know what happened to that guy, but. Uh, he yeah. actually, he went broke for a long time and I guess was homeless for a while, but he's back on his feet, but I don't know what he's doing. Okay. Okay. This is I've, yeah, been, I've been going fine. through I've been going through an obsessive old school wrestling thing for like two months now. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, what I found out yeah. was uh, Jim Cornette has a uh, podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. That, mu- that must be. Fun. And I've been listening to that, and it just it makes you all nostalgic for the early '80s, you know. Right. Right. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, le- talking nostalgia. Yeah, I'm totally. I I'm writing everything that I've ever wanted to write in this. Uh, in, in Infinite Seven, um, it's I would I would say it's probably my most marketable thing. Like I've always been the like even the guys in the company that, that you know in Action Lab, they're like, dude, your stuff is like sleeper hit stuff. Like people people never buy it at first, and then after the trades come out, like people are buying the crap out of it. Like Cyrus Perkins was the last book I did um, to completion, and uh, and dude, I couldn't give it away, and then the trade came out, and it it really took off. So, um, talking with, uh, I got Hollywood on it, you know, we're, we're doing some stuff with it, oh, you know, cool. it's going to be cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like at one point I was like last year, I was like, man, why am I, why am I making comic books? And, and then I realized like after the, the Cyrus Perkins trade paperback came out, like people would buy it on a Friday at a convention and come, come and tell me how much they loved it on a Saturday. And, you know, when people come back to you uh, just to thank you for what you've done, you know you're on the right track. Yeah, that's pretty Uh, awesome. Yeah, like I started basically on my Instagram. People were coming back so frequently that I started filming them. And they'd come back and they'd they'd always start with, hey, I just want to let you know I read it. And I'm like, stop right there. Let me get you on camera. Here, tell me what you think. And so, like, I've got, like, a stream of people just telling me what they thought of the book. What was the name of that one? Uh, Cyrus Perkins and the Haunted Taxi Cab. Where do you, where can I get that at? Uh, you can get it anywhere. Amazon. I mean, I always say go to your local comic shop and, and, and hit it up. I mean, you know, Amazon's so easy to do, but uh, comic shops have it so hard. I'm always like, go to the comic shops. Um, but or I'll see you, you know, later in the year. But uh, but that one was like super personal, and I think that's why I was like, 
uh, like when the first issue came out and it wasn't successful, I was really bummed out because um, like two years ago, uh, I, I thought I thought I had food poisoning. It turned out my gallbladder failed, so I sat on it for like five days, just hoping it was going to get better and like starving myself. And you know, it was it was rough. It was like the roughest time of my life. And uh, finally, I called the helpline, and they were like, "Dude, you're that's not that's not food poisoning, right?" They're like, "There's something seriously wrong with you." get to the hospital and they were like, we'll call you an ambulance. I'm like, I don't know how much that's going to cost. I'll, you know, what do you want me to do? And they're like, just take a cab. So I called a cab and, you know, God bless this dude. Uh, I stumbled into his cab and I like, was like hospital. And then I passed out. And oh, so God. I woke up to him like screaming, which hospital are we going to? What are we doing? Da, 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 da. And, um, and you know, I, I regained consciousness just enough to tell him what hospital it was. And I also just said, look, if I die in this cab, I'm going to haunt it. <laughs> So, <laughs> drive fast. So drive fast, right, right. So uh, I woke up after surgery and was like, haunted taxi cab. You know, it's a, it's about a kid that dies in a taxi. And then it's the taxi cab driver has to solve his murder, and then it gets really dark and messed up from there. Because um, the kid, like, when he comes to as a ghost, he, he remembers being in the cab, he remembers dying, but he doesn't remember anything from his life. He's almost like an amnesiac ghost. Okay. Um, so they've got to piece together this kid's life. Uh, over four issues and uh and you know it's super super heartfelt i mean there's some scenes in there where i'm like man who who what sensitive guy wrote this like i I don't even know you know um but you know it's 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 the the thing i'm most proud of so far uh i'm sure i'll be proud of infinite seven in a different way like i think that i haven't challenged myself to to do an ongoing series yet so that you know keeping relevant and staying fresh with that will be a challenge and you know we'll see how it goes but uh, but yeah, it, uh, Cyrus Perkins is 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 the one in, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I mean, I like the trade came out. I was down. Um, I did a convention, and then someone at uh, a huge agency in Hollywood called and said they wanted to make the movie, and I was like, "That's well, really cool." Well, okay. I, yeah. I was like, you know, and then on, on top of that, people were thanking me for the book and all this cool stuff. Um, that's what really got me jazzed. I was like, wow, people actually care. Like I had no idea, you know, like you're so insulated when you make comics too. You know, that's another reason that it's, it's, it's hard and anyone that can be successful at it, I'm stoked because it takes a lot of work and just like self determination, you know, like you gotta be motivated, you know? Well, let me ask you this then. I mean, not as somebody, I'm not asking this necessarily as a publisher, but as somebody who's seen what it takes to get a comic done, what is a piece or two of advice you would give to somebody thinking about um, creating a comic and trying to get it published? Well, I would, I would first, I would, I would say, read the things that you love and really figure out why you liked it. Liked it. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, I'm like, oh yeah, I like fables, and you know, like. What is it about fables that I liked, right? I mean, is it is it the concept? Is it the dialogue? Is it the characterization? Uh, you know, like Preacher. You know, a lot of people say that Preacher is like the the, the thing that influenced them the most. And me, especially, I, I love that book as well. Um, but why? You know, and figure out what you like and what you love because I think that a lot of times that's why you do the things that you do, right? Um, and if you're brand new, I would say take a script writing class, you know, um, or a fiction writing class. Um, like I, and, and then don't be afraid to burn pages. Like, like if you're an artist, like it takes usually about, 
I don't know, 8,000 pages before you're competent enough to do your first real one, you know? Like, don't be afraid to get muddy, you know, like your dog, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's that's it. I mean, their failure is actually, um, to me, it's it's that's the greatest success because, like, the levels of success are the first. The first level is getting out there and doing it. That's a number one. Because you could be the, the the greatest virtuoso ever, but if you don't sit there and play the guitar at all, then who gives a shit? Right? Like, doesn't matter if you have the talent. If you're not doing something with it, you failed. Yep. Right? You could do that for yourself. You could do it for someone else. Whatever. Right? But you got to get out there and do it. And then the second thing is uh, is having someone else read it and appreciate it for what it is. Right? I mean, and that's very very small. It's a very small success, but you know, it is what it is. It's 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 the you know you wouldn't be writing a song if you didn't want someone to hear it. I don't think you know. So anyone. That, that reads it, your mom or whatever it is, that's success too. And then three would be, you know, uh, most likely a larger distribution and uh, a lot of weird, snarky people on the internet hating you for no reason. You know, that, that's always, that's always a great success. Um, yeah. But, uh, but you know, then, then it's, then it's just a matter of like thick skin. Like how, how much can you put up with? Because like, I know a lot of like very, very fragile creators that like can't deal with, criticism you know and I'm, I'm definitely not one of those people you know um i i think that i would rather be criticized than have everyone just say hey yeah it was okay you know like no but really tell me tell me why it was just okay you know so yeah because yeah. one i keep coming across now and this is one i think about the most it's it it's a video floating around and it's just finish it whatever yeah. it is whatever it is finish it because you know what no matter what you're gonna, when you're done with it, you're going to think it sucks. Right. But don't right. try to perfect this one. Make your next one better. Right. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, uh, like some creators that don't, um, they, that they think that they're, that they're fine the way they are and they're never, they never need to evolve or change, those are the ones that are never going to see the mistakes. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, I love looking at sketchbooks like from five years ago because I'm like, wow, I drew that? That sucks. Or holy crap, I was really good, you know. But, like... You should be able to identify why you, you're you're better or worse, right? Um, and the only way to do that is to get the work done, and then you know to have it reflected back on you. You know, I've had I've had some people um, like I, I did a book called Double Jumpers. I'm working on a sequel now, but um, dude, CBR they were like it's in the top 100 of the year, and I was like above Azarello and Garth Ennis and all those guys on the list, and. Um, I was super stoked about that, right? And then, you know, I've I've had f- fans or or non fans say that it's the worst thing they've ever ever <laughs> fucking read, you know. Yeah. So it's like, you know, somewhere in the middle is the truth, right? It's I'm definitely not as good as Brian Azzarello or or Garth Ennis, but I'm definitely not like some trolls, you know, uh, whooping boy either, you know. Yeah. Like somewhere in the middle is the truth. Um, and, but but you know my main thing about trolls that don't that don't actually tell you they don't tell you why it sucked they just say it sucked right I hate that it's the worst um, if you didn't like it tell me why I, I need to know you know um, so I can learn yeah exactly that's why it's called a, a critic <laughs> you know right. so you yeah. can critically look at what what went wrong with it um, I think one of the one of the books you guys publish is done in a 3D art uh, with computers. I can't think of the name of it right now, but one of the things I do as a hobby is I create oh, acid. Yeah. Miraculous. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. And one of the things I do as a hobby is I create 3D assets, clothing, weapons, stuff like that, and sell them. Oh, cool. Um, and I, I don't have the best critical eye when it comes to artwork. Like, I don't understand color. Composition's really hard for me. I struggle with these things, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have a DeviantArt account where I put this stuff up and let people check it out. And I'll go through and look at other people's stuff. And I remember I was looking at one, and it was some Star Wars fan piece. And one guy just tore into this poor guy, into the artist who had done it. And he's talking about chroma and key and this, that, and the other, and just tearing into the guy for calling himself an artist. And you know what? Not one fucking link to a place where you can learn about this shit was in there. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I I just I responded to the guy. It was not my place to do it. I I wrote a response. And I'm like, hey motherfucker, why don't you try being helpful instead of such a fucking cocksucker? Right. You know? Right. And and I don't mean cocksucker in a negative way. I think we all like cocksuckers, but you know right, what I mean. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, you know, if you're going to shit on the poor guy, why don't you tell him a spot where he can go and learn about this or offer something useful instead of just being a fucking dick? Yeah, I, I hate uh, reviewers that just um, they do the book report review mm-hmm. where they're like, they'll tell you every little damn thing about a, a title a, a, or an issue, spoilers and everything, and then give it like a two star rating or a one star rating. You're like, well, thanks, man. You just made it so no one ever needs to or wants to read this book ever. Uh, with your dumb Wikipedia review, you know what I mean? It yep. takes no, no talent or no heart to do that. It only uh, it only hurts, and I think it actually hurts um, even even if it's a positive review. Like, those book report reviews are the worst because, it, you know, we, we live in a, a day and an age where everything is accessible online, right? And, like, there's been plenty of times when you're like, hey, I don't know if I want to watch that movie. I'll read the synopsis or whatever, right? Yep. No, but you're, you're going out right. doing that. But you're not necessarily wanting to to see that review up front. You know what I mean? If you Google something and you get that review, you're like, well, thanks. No, I don't have to read it. Yeah. Oh, you told me. Hopefully my art's good. Yeah. You you told me the whole story in two paragraphs and gave it two out of five stars. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And and you might have wrote that when you were having a shitty day. Your dog may have just died, you know. And now I'm not going to watch it because of your review. Or read yeah, it. I find I find that a lot of like uh, uh, people are like quantity over quality, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's just the the nature of of blogging too. I think um, is if if you don't uh, beat people over the head with it, they're not going to see it, you know. And, yep. and you know, to be fair, that's that's comics too in a, in a way, you know. You don't if I don't show up to San Diego, it's like I died or something. It's crazy. Oh um, no, you're absolutely right, and I see that with blogging and. Uh, well, you know what? Just run on your Facebook page. If you're not, if you don't have, it doesn't even have to be your article, but if you're not sharing some fucking thing every half hour, right? Those eyeballs right. just went somewhere else. Your Twitter feed is the same way. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's tough. We we're always um, in in my company arguing about how many titles we we actually should be publishing because you know, like there there are a handful that are like the more the better, and, and then there are some of us that are like. No, man, just the best of the best. Like, it, you know, I mean, if I could find 20 of the best of the best, that would be awesome. But like, you know, um, we don't need to we don't need to publish more. You know, I, I think 15 is, is the tops for us. Yeah. You know? Well, and you also have to wonder, too, and this is just me looking at it from the outside. Like how much as a publisher, how much of a responsibility is it on you guys to kind of cultivate talent? Yeah. Well, and that's that's the the roughest part. For yeah, me. like it's it's bandwidth. It's it's hard to, um, 
be hands on uh, with with new creators. You know, a lot of times we're like we're the the company that says hire your own editor, like Image. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like Image Image doesn't provide that much support. They just have you know a, a really great deal and uh, a really great name, and you know. Um, not, it sounded like a diss, but it's not because uh, we're pretty much the same model. Um, but, you know, we prefer books to be done, but that also means we don't really edit too heavily. You know, I'm right. not going to ask someone to redraw a, a whole issue of a book just because I have, you know, uh, yeah. maybe some crazy fundamental issues with it. But, you know, like we agreed to publish that book and we and we publish creator owned books. So, yeah, well, it's just, you know, yeah, I just wonder as somebody because, like, you know, my wife, when when she she had a literary agent and they shop a book and somebody doesn't want to take it or does, they expect you to come in with an audience already created. And I just wonder these days, I mean, I guess, you know, with comic creators, I guess you could have a web presence with your web comic and then get that published. But I would think at some point a company has to, somebody has to give them a place to cut their teeth, right? Sure, sure, yeah. but you know, uh, uh, my my main advice for someone that's that's emerging uh, into the business is don't rely on anyone else to market yourself. I mean, like no no one sells your no one's going to sell your book better than you're going to sell your book. Like I can talk about my book way way more effectively than anyone else, right? So, um, you know, while I do appreciate everything that my company does for my book, um. You know, we treat all the books exactly the same. Like, like I'm not getting any preferential treatment, you know, because I'm the president of the company. I'm I'm out there cutting my own teeth too. Oh you know? sure, and, yeah. And that's something that you know, like, whenever someone says, "Hey, I'm thinking about launching my book on day X," I, I always say, "Well, then grow your web presence by a thousand before that day, because, um, you know, you're going to need it. You know, you're going to need to have people that appreciate your work that are going to want to spread the word. You know." Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just, you know, these days I wonder about these things. Cause I've always been a jump into it with both feet kind of guy. You know, last yeah. year the new Star Wars movie came out. My wife got sick of hearing me talk about it. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to start a podcast and talk about that movie. How funny. You know, and that's just, you know. Yeah, so you must have loved that movie. I did. And uh, for a while, I think I was just really excited to see a new Star Wars movie that didn't suck. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, I tried to watch the original three, and I, I, I well, not the original three, but the prequels. Yeah. Um, and uh, I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I, I remember watching them when they came out, and I've watched them all repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I couldn't bring myself to get through the first one. No, um, it's just, it's Phantom Menace is almost unwatchable. Yeah. Attack of the Clones is pretty terrible. Revenge of the Sith, I don't mind though, because it, yeah, it, it kind of primes the trap. You know, it really sets everything up. Yeah, I think that, like, there's, I know that there are cuts, I mean, everyone talks about the machete version, um, where you watch them out of order, but there's got to be some editing genius out there. Somebody, somebody did one called Star Wars 3.5. Oh, yeah. And edited all three of those prequel movies into one movie. And it was pretty good. It was pretty good, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's also they're all horribly acted too, though. That's the thing that like bums well, me out. Here's the thing: all all the people in it were good actors. Sure. So that means the director fucked up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all know Lucas. I think Lucas likes to like. Well, he doesn't do much anymore, but he liked to play with his toys mm-hmm. more than he uh, gave a shit about what the the actors were doing on on. You know, they like they could walk in and just be like. 
you know, uh, just deliver the lines as if they were doing a, a test reading, and he'd be like, "That's fine." And yeah. then he'd be like, oh, but, "But no." But I've I've no got new technology that. to experiment with over here. Right. And you got to realize, like I say this, I live eight blocks from his parents' old house. Oh wow. Um, and my third cousin Pete Vilmer works at Lucasfilm. Wow. So. You know, I've got a, a minor connection to these things, and I'm very critical of them nonetheless. Now, me and Pete well, don't actually know each other real well or anything. It's just I like to throw that one out there and name drop occasionally. Well, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Like, uh, I, and, and you can't you can't even say he didn't contribute. He's contributed so much to film. Oh, that, absolutely. That you just have to, like, forgive him for the, the first three or the prequels. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll maybe I'll watch Revenge of the Sith again. Like it was funny. Like my wife uh, just we watched Rogue One, which we we liked we liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she was like, I feel like I need to go back and watch the prequels uh, just so that I know all of the little nuances. I'm like, you pretty much don't need to know any of it, really. No, it was I'm all like, right there on the screen. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, you're good, you're good. Um, that said, uh, you know, like we did try to watch a we tried to watch an edited version that um was more like four hours long or four and a half hours long and it was still too much i, I think you could have cut the the uh first three into a good two two and a half hour movie oh that should have been one movie yeah yeah there was no need to go that in depth on certain things and i don't always feel that way because like i think the original star trek uh six movie could have been a great 12 episode tv series you yeah, know, there are some yeah. things you can delve into further, and some that you need to just take the fifty thousand view of. I'll take it. I'll take it a step further, and this is a weird one that just kind of came came to mind for me. Like after watching Rogue One, it, it, you know, it ends where it's just like it just beats you to death. It's like bam, 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 action, crazy, crazy, crazy. The the, the Corvette escapes with with uh, you know the plans, uh, and you know that he's coming for Leia, right? And you're like, oh man, that's so badass, and it's like. Like, literally, like, the drum is beating faster and faster and faster, and then they cut to the credits, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now I've got to go and watch a movie that came out in, what, 77 that's got the 1977 pacing? And I'm like, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so slow now. Like, if I tried to watch Rogue One, then Star Wars, uh, New Hope, I, I would be so asleep within 15 minutes. Um, I, I'm almost thinking they could cut, they could cut those movies into, like, you know, different movies. And, and I was not a fan of the special editions that, that Lucas did, but I kind of get his point. I get what he's trying to do. You know, he's just not that good at it. You know, you know what else though? Like again, finish what you're working on. Right. don't go back and keep fucking with the same, like my son, again, great artist. I'll find him painting of painting that he should have stopped working on five years ago. Right. Yeah. You're just like, dude, just fucking put it away. Move on to the next one. Come on. Well, that's that's the thing, though. That, that's the, the first thing of success is finishing something. Yep. Right? And that's, so. you know, Lucas couldn't leave well enough alone. Look, uh, Star Wars, Empire, and Return of the Jedi were what they were. And at the time, they were of their, each in each of their releases, they were fucking masterpieces. It did not need to be messed with. Did they have flaws? Goddamn right they did. Everything sure. has a flaw. Sure. Yeah. I don't mind the special editions. Matter of fact, I mean, at this point in my life, I've probably seen them more than anything else. Yeah, um, you know, I still, I think I still have my VHS copies of, of the originals. I, I, I don't know, but the uh, I know that they're releasing those again. Um, you know, and, and I love love that Disney has Star Wars now. Mm-hmm. I, and 
uh, and that they own pretty much the world. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it just means that I'm going to get quality movies. Like, they're not going to mess around with Star Wars because no. if they do, their cash cow's gone. And exactly. They can't. They can't. So. Um, I was just saying you know, that to somebody recently as well. I was like, I'm, I'm not really worried about what Disney will do with Star Wars. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. I'm really glad that, like, um, it seems like they, even though there are certain things about all, I mean, like you said, there's certain things about every movie that you're like, man, that could be better. Um, I, I'm glad that they're not afraid to, to get dark with it. You know what I mean? Like that, that, like Rogue One was pretty dark, you know? Um, my only qualm would be like, I didn't know the characters enough. You know what I mean? You could have spent a little bit more time like making them likable um, so that when the things happen, you know, let me not spoiling anything. So that when things go down, you're like, oh no, you know, like, I, like when people started dying, now I, now I'm spoiling everything. But when people started dying, I was like, well, all right. Okay. He's dead. Whatever. You know, many Bothans died to get these plans. I got it. You know? Well, that yeah. was in the, the second Death Star, many Bothans died. Was that the second? Yeah. Oh, I'm such a dick. Yeah. Bothans are an alien that look like a camel. We didn't have any oh. of those. Yeah. Oh, look at you, super nerd. That's good. Oh, fucking See, a. Right here, I, I thought that I was. Uh, I thought I was Mon Mothmaing uh, uh, the first one. I was wrong. Yeah. All right. No, Mon okay. Mothma didn't show up till Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. I got my wires crossed. Man, maybe I should go watch these movies again. You might want to. Oh, <laughs> you might man. want to. Oh yeah. Before I t- before I speak out of turn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Starting to question your nerd card at this point. Well, yeah, you know, you know, I'll stick with my eighties, my eighties <laughs> action heroes. There you um, go. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. So uh, the, uh, but I mean, I, like I said, I really, really liked it. But then the idea of trying to go back and and, and watch episode four again, I was like, I don't even know if I need to. But you now know, I feel like I do. I, I did it when I got home from uh, Rogue One. Of course, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes go by from leaving the theater to getting in the front door to turning the TV on. And I've heard people make the complaints about the energy level difference between Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One and at the start of A New Hope. Um, yeah, you know, uh, you know fuck I, it. You know, I, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, it, but here's the thing. Like, like there, there's, there's a way where you could reshoot it and make it consistent. You could have him bust through, uh, you know, to find the plans in uh if you reshot it in episode four just to make it consistent if you wanted to and i think younger fans would be stoked about that yeah you know for us like like it's like wrestling it's a time capsule right yep. like it doesn't it doesn't really matter you know no. um but you know that's a time capsule that i don't know if i need to, to to go back into but it sounds like i need to get my facts straight for sure yeah just at least figure out what a bothin is you know yeah you know yeah. you know i'm about to i'm gonna go back to google that when i go upstairs exactly hey is. dave so um we're gonna go ahead and wrap up here but let me ask you real quick people want to check out action lab or any of your stuff where can they find you at uh you, you, okay so you can find my junk at uh, outofmymind.co you can find action lab stuff at actionlabcomics.com and if you want to send me some uh, some hey learn your star wars trivia uh, complaints it's at dave dewant on twitter and then um, and i'm pretty drunk and pretty funny on twitter nice uh, yeah yeah so uh, yeah yeah this has been fun man i actually didn't feel like this was an interview this is like two two old friends just talking yeah, that's that's the feel i shoot for now sometimes it leads to me talking too fucking much but such is the cost of owning a microphone. <laughs> well, well, you know, it's meant to be spoken into. Exactly. Hey, um, also, <laughs> I wanted to let you know, since you are here on the West Coast, and it would be easy for you to do, on Thursday nights at 8 p.m., 
we occasionally do live episodes. I would like to extend an invitation to you anytime you'd like to come on and just sit in and talk about whatever the, the topic is that week. I would love to have you back for that. But also, anytime you have something coming up that you want to promote on, you know, for your comic line or whatever, please feel free just to let me know when you got it coming up. I'd love to have you back just for our regular scheduled shows as well. Cool. Well, I'm going to give you guys a hint on something that, that's coming in April. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Think about this. I think it is April. So we're putting out a book called Spencer and Locke, and uh, it's about – it's basically if Calvin and Hobbes, if uh, if Calvin had grown up and become a detective and lives in Sin City, uh, oh basically God. the tagline is uh, one of his friends uh, from his his childhood dies, and the only person he can um, trust to help solve the murder is his imaginary friend, and uh, it's amazing. Spencer and Locke is going to knock people on their ass, um, and, and I'm super proud that we were able to publish it. Um, you know, but we, we publish, uh, like a new number one every month. So, and you can trust that, uh, action lab is, uh, is killing it. Awesome. Well, I am glad to hear that. Um, uh, anything else you want to get the word out about real quick before we wrap? Uh, you know, not really. I mean, my next convention is Emerald city in Seattle in February. So if you, if anyone is in that area, come by and, uh, if there was a Bothan action figure, that should be my thing. Someone should go. And bring me a Bothan action figure. <laughs> and be like, hey, this is what it looks this like. This is what a Bothan looks like. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That's cool. All right, guys. Well, in the meantime, you can catch us at geekishcast.com. We are on iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and at Blog Talk Radio. We do do live episodes there almost every Thursday at 8 p.m. I figure I might start taking one Thursday off a month. I tweet from at the Geekish Cast. You can find us at facebook.com slash geekishcast, and I tweet from at the Geekish Cast. Uh, Dave, thank you. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Super fun, man. It was great to hear your, your, uh, your luscious voice. Yeah, it's pretty sexy. I, I gotta, I gotta say. <laughs> right on, man. Well, we'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Geekish Cast is a Vias and Victor production and is part of the Astro Panda Productions Network. You can find us now on SoundCloud and on Blog Talk Radio. Our theme music is taken from the song "Out to Get Mine" by Rain of Zeus. Check them out at rainofzeus.net.